0: Let me go, 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 go,
1: go, 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 go,
0: This is Inside the Box. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor Barrett, and I am here with David Blakesley. David, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Looking forward to another wonderful conversation as we get deeper into the World Cinema Project number one.
0: Yes, I was very happy with our last episode. I yeah. got a lot out of it. I'm anxious to see what happens today. You know, we, we've talked <laughs> yeah, about this yeah. before. Sometimes, you know, we've been doing this for so long that sometimes we come and we're like, oh, what am I going to have anything to say this time? And it just kind of comes out, you know, and and, and I learn a lot and uh, I'm kind of hopeful that happens today um, because these these are two films that I think might have a little bit of a a different kind of challenge to them than Mm -hmm. the two we talked about last week. So
1: Yeah, I think the first one in particular, uh, you know, to me, uh, A River Called Tidish uh, is, you know, a more complex film. Uh, it feels more culturally distant, I Mm-mm. suppose. Um, with uh, Dry Summer, the second of the two films we'll talk about, that's a pretty straightforward, I mean, you know, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of an exotic cultural thing going on. It's set in Turkey, not a nation I've got a lot of familiarity with, but you know, the, the, the way the story is told is pretty direct and you pretty much know, you know, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And so it's very relatable in that sense. But yeah, yeah, these are, these are definitely films that, uh, that stretched me, but, but I did find very enjoyable. And especially as I've um, you know, sort of committed myself to uh, A River Called Tidish, I've, I've really come to love this film and, and kind of the way it tells its story and, uh, you know, very eager to see more from this director.
0: Oh good. So let's let's start there then. So a a river called Tetosh or something like that. I heard Martin Scorsese pronounce it Tetosh with the yep. s at the end kind of with an sh sound. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching it this time, I paid attention and indeed they do that. In fact, the the character Basanti, B A S A N T, they pronounce that Basanti as well. So, yes, yes. Um, that's or that even Basanti.
1: The, uh, yeah, Basanti, you know, it was kind of a little more emphasis uh, on the last syllable. So, yeah, you know, I mean, we're not going to oh, be graded oh, on our pronunciation <laughs> fine points there, but yeah, I definitely I heard not. how names were pronounced <laughs> as well. Yeah.
0: So, this is a 1973 film by Ritwik Gatak. Um, it, it, it's the first one that I ever saw by him um, back when this set first came out, but I watched The Cloud Capped Star. His 1960 film, which is part of this World Cinema project, but Criterion released it as its own standalone edition on Blu-ray oh, a few years ago. I I did watch that one for my site, that, got a review of it up there, and I really loved The Cloud-Capped Star when it, when it came out. And I remember thinking, boy, maybe I need to watch A River Called Titash again, because I did not like that one at all when mm. I first watched it. I mm-hmm. found it... I found it v- impenetrable in some ways. I yeah. found it very difficult. I found the melodrama and, you know, to be really exaggerated and honestly kind of hard to follow at times. And oh, I, yeah, and kind definitely. of boring. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, yeah. I am sad yeah. to say that this time around, it didn't necessarily fully change that, but I, I promise you, I'm not saying it's the film's issues um, because you're right. I, I, you know, some films can be complicated and I'm like, Oh, I'm having a hard time getting this, uh, like Tukibuki, for example, Mm -hmm. but I kind of feel like I can crack it uh, at least a little bit because it's, you know, I don't know. There's some keys there that I can grapple, grab onto with a river called Titash. I, I feel like I'm missing so much of the culture and Mm. so much of things that to them at the time would make sense. Um, you know, this This was, this is just a time and place that I that I don't know very well. It's set in the 1930s in Bengal, but he made it in 1973, you know, in the early 1970s, shortly after the partition of Bengal. And from, you know, reading up on it, that's a pretty important theme. It's after the partition of India, you know, from a decade and a half earlier, right. as well as this partition of Bengal. And all of that seems to have played a big role in what Katak was talking about. And so I can see that there, but I'll just, I'll, I'll acknowledge that I, I have a harder time getting into this, this story mm-hmm. as beautiful as I find the filming and as inter- interesting as I find the film itself. So I, you know, that's what I, I was alluding to this earlier. Yeah, I, yeah. Knew, I knew we'd be able to maybe, <laughs> right. maybe help me out just a little bit. I, I certainly don't put it on the, on the film. I, it may not, it may never be a film that I love, Mm-hmm. Um, but I want it to be a film that I, um, admire, uh, for, for multiple reasons rather than just, Oh, that's a nice shot out of the river. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. The aesthetics. So, well, you know, this is a film that's going to require some dedication mm-hmm. for your average kind of Western based oriented film viewer. Um, So maybe if you've got a little more immersion or familiarity with this culture, if you are coming from kind of a South Asian perspective or have watched a lot of Indian film uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're going to fall into uh, you know, kind of embracing this film on its own terms a little bit more readily. So yeah, this, this was a bit of work, you know, there, there is some (laughs) Diligent dedication that you've got to exercise in order to, to to follow the story, to to make sense of what's going on, and even to overcome some of those overtly melodramatic, you know, almost you know to the point of comic exaggeration, uh, even when it's not trying to be funny. Uh, those elements can be a little bit off putting, but to me, I guess I, I began to approach it more like as folklore. Like this is. This is a director who's telling a a traditional story that's based on the, I don't know, the ethos and the mores, the customs of uh, these pretty traditional, uh, what we would call rustic country folks, you know? Uh, in fact, I, I, I use that term and just talking about the movie with my, my wife and she just started laughing because she comes from a country-ish background her parents uh, and grandparents were farmers and they still own, you know, kind of farmland. And, uh, and so they think of themselves as country. And when I, when I say, well, these are folks are country folks. Well, she kind of just found that amusing. I was like, well, mm-hmm. they really are though. I mean, if you think about, the you know the the cities and the more populous centers of of India or Bangladesh, which is you know kind of where this uh, territory is is situated now in that nation, uh, these were the bumpkins. These were kind of the peasants and and just kind of the the commoners of of mm-hmm. their time. And so uh, almost kind of like Redis from the last uh, episode, he talked about uh, again. Mm-hmm. Th- this is the life of a fishing village. These are people who make their living just basically harvesting resources from from the river, uh, the, the titular river, Titus of, of its name, which yeah, I kind of looked it up on the map. Like, is this the mighty Mississippi here? Is this the Ganges? No, the river called Titus is a pretty small little branch. Uh, I think hmm. the Menga River is the big one. If you look at the big map, in fact, I don't know that Titus is even labeled as one of the major tributaries. So this is really a little backroads of, of a river uh, in a, in a, in a, environment that's very water saturated there's you know Hmm. you you think about bangladesh and you know bangladesh was very much in the public consciousness back in the early 1970s Uh, george harrison from the beatles did his famous concert for bangladesh and bangladesh used to be known as was east pakistan right and so it became its own nation and then very soon after it seems like they were just just swamped by this devastating uh typhoons that that uh, you know ruined villages and caused many uh, casualties both deaths and injuries and displacement and just a, a wretched uh, a spectacle of, of poverty and, and misery and, and human suffering and so you know George Harrison you know this famous pop culture figure assembled a bunch of singers and performers and did a big benefit concert I think it was at Madison Square Garden in New York City so Bangladesh was kind of uh You know, almost I want to say a fad, but it was definitely a cause that a lot of people were concerned about. And so this film comes almost directly right out of that era. Uh, But as you said, Trevor, it's telling a story set, you know, some four decades earlier about a way of life that uh, had almost already vanished, but was definitely in process of, of dying out. And so that's another piece that kind of fascinated me. It was just kind of the sort of the anthropological depiction of a of a vanishing way of life by a man who had both fondness and and um uh respect and appreciation but also wanted to portray some of the flaws and and some of the uh, misguided thinking that maybe doomed this this way of life because there's a lot of there's a lot of sadness in this story. And a lot of it is based on stubbornness and backwards thinking and uh, kind of a lack of openness to you know, what you might consider more progressive ideals, uh, the tra- traditions, and that this is kind of common in both of these films, uh, the traditions that these cultures adhere to uh, end up costing them quite a bit uh, because of their sort of unthinking loyalty to the way things have always been done. So these are kind of both about societies in some degree of transition.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to look at these sets and how which films are paired with which. I have no idea if they sat down and, and mapped it out at all. But this one could easily have been paired with Red Ace. You know, mm-hmm. it's a fishing village mm-hmm. on, on, on the shores there and, you know, kind of dealing with similar people. But you're right, uh, when I watched it with Dry Summer, you know, it, it links up with that one quite nicely as well. Um, and I like how you call it a bit of folklore. It kind of helps make sense of some of the more bizarre, I would say, mm-hmm. elements as the plot gets gets moving here. And, and maybe I'll just lay that out just really fast. So here's here's a really quick rundown that I think is kind of fun to think of it this way. Two men out on a boat have some issues and wash up on shore in a village <laughs> one of them accidentally marries uh one of the the women there they they never you know they, they don't they have one night together they don't really know each other the woman never really sees his face doesn't doesn't wouldn't recognize him and they get on a boat to go back and no oh, there's another problem she gets uh kidnapped by uh by some I don't know fishing. Village pirates, (laughs) you know, some other, some other, some other community, you know, that some, some people kidnap her and he, um, and he uh, ends up getting back to his own village, but goes mad. Meanwhile, she washes up at another village. I mean, it's kind of interesting to think of all of these little, little tiny villages where you get the sense it's really only a few dozen people (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, in these little villages, kind of all struggling to survive, on this little, um, out of the way, insignificant in the grand scheme of things, uh, river, um, she washes up into another in, into you know another place. I say another village, but she she doesn't know where she's at either. And when she wakes up, um, and you know, she she is stuck there, and she has no idea who her husband is. She doesn't know his name. She doesn't know what village he came from. Again, would never recognize him. So you get all of these people who are lost who are Mm -hmm. pushed all around um it there's a big time jump all of a sudden and she's you know because she's pregnant and lo and behold she has a 10 year old son now and they're they're trying to to figure out how to help that son get a father and that's where one of the main characters Bashanti comes in Bashanti comes in uh, because it's a woman who had married the uh, you know, this is where it gets all a little bit convoluted you know she had married the <laughs> yeah. you know how i said there were two two men who um were out and kind of washed up on another another village shore um one of them is kishore that's the one who gets married to this girl he doesn't doesn't know <laughs> you know and, and she who does not know him <clears throat> the other one marries Bas- Basanti. And but he dies the very next day, and so she's kind of a you know a woman who now uh, has lost some of what some of her identity. You know, she may not have loved him or cared much about him. They didn't have a ton of time married, but it was expected that she you know now get married and go and do the traditional thing, and she kind of can't do that right now. As, well, she takes in this uh, this kind of woman and her son. Oh boy. And, and the, <laughs> yeah. and I'll just go to the very next step. The, the, the man, Kishore, who has gone mad now, it, he, he's around there too. And he has a relationship with Bashanti, but he's, he's, he is mad. You know, he doesn't recognize people either, but the woman, and, and is her name Rajar? Rajar?
1: Rajarji. Yeah. Or Rajar-Z. Rajar. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, um, she kind of falls in love with him, you know, kind of has a little thing for the madman. Um, Is it because she recognizes him or thinks, well, he's got this story, you know, that people talk about maybe, but she dies one day when she's kind of with him. I didn't know what had happened there. The first time I watched it, I was like, what what just happened? Um, This is all in the first half hour of a two and a half hour movie. (laughs) <laughs> all of that all of that is is like establishing the this this tale, you know, so I do like what you say using it as a bit of folklore I mean that right there is a very mm-hmm. melodramatic story that could have taken up the whole two and a half hours
1: yeah. and
0: would have made more sense to someone like me um who. You know, doesn't always follow the time jumps in a something like this. Doesn't always kind of register the names of characters, because oh, yeah, I, right, I don't right. recognize them, and so I have to write mm-hmm. them down and mm-hmm. and um, and try to keep keep track of who's who. It might have been more, you know, uh, it might might have been something I could have followed better if it had, if it had carried over that story for a while. But that's not really the story it's telling. It's part of it, but it, it. I like thinking of it as folklore, and that almost being the mythological foundation That's exactly of the right. yeah. bigger mm-hmm. tale that it's mm-hmm. telling over the mm-hmm. next couple of hours. So,
1: Yeah, because the foundation is kind of late at the beginning. Uh, we see these characters, Kishore, Subal, and Basanti, as children. Uh, and Basanti mm-hmm. has the kind of a fondness for Kishore, in fact, the, the boys are kind of like best buds and she has to sort of choose which of the two she prefers and kishore is the one that she she wants but they kishore ends up getting married because because these two small villages these two little backwater out of the way nothings of villages they have a little dispute going on and and so the marriage is actually almost sort of like a way of reconciling and and simmering down this feud. And and that that's why these two are brought together. A Kishore who's just kind of basically on a fishing and trade journey. And then he's kind of summoned to marry this girl because that's what is needed again in this almost feudal society we've got to we got to quickly arrange a marriage you know and it was interesting that that quickly arranged marriage reminded me of the uh the apu trilogy Uh, i was was it in the the second or the third film where apu gets married almost because he's sort of he's a stand-in you know the the groom is crazy Mm -hmm. the the assigned groom is is nuts and so we've got to find somebody else because all the festivities all the preparations have made been made so Another situation where almost by sheer uh, coincidence, uh, a husband and wife are brought together in films from this Bengali uh, perspective. So that was an interesting little connection to Satyajit Ray's work as well. Uh, But yeah, and so the, the exaggeration of the fact that you're married for one night. Uh, the the marriage ceremony is just the, the sound of the woman's breathing. You know, it's like, it's, it's very tense. Yeah. It's almost like silent film. You can feel the emotions, but they're not really expressed. It's, it's a, it's very apprehensive. Um, and then the fact that she's kidnapped, they have the one night, she conceives a child in that one night, but now she's kidnapped. She's, she's dropped off in this village, but she's scandal ridden. She, she's a single woman who's pregnant. Her story is outlandish. Oh, I was married, but then they kidnapped me. Oh, yeah, right, sure, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. you loose character woman. So she'll. She's got this little shadow of scandal hanging over her. She only remembers the name of the village that her husband was from. But uh, you know, when she finally arrives there, oh, like I was- you say, it's... I was
0: thinking she she didn't even really remember that, but you're right. I re- yeah, I think I said that earlier. But and that's and that's,
1: right. that's kind of how she wound up there. But it was like I say, it's been ten years, so she's been just basically this wandering, and it's not really explained. How did she support this child? What was her what was her, <laughs> uh, you know, process for doing that? But she winds up, you know, um, again almost by coincidence in the same village, and you know the fact that we as the spectators are saying well obviously the guy who's gone mad because he lost his wife after one night and now here she is with a boy and she lost her husband i mean why can't people put two and two together you know it's Mm -hmm. there's almost like this this film of of blindness uh or this 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 barrier, this partition that is preventing them from from recognizing what seems like the obvious truth. And so the, to me, that's again where this got into mythic sort of storytelling, almost a fairy tale type of thing. Because uh, the character's eyes are blinded to things that are pretty apparent to, to an outside observer. And Basanti as well. She's married to Subal, the boy that she didn't prefer. Uh, another arranged marriage. And her parents are definitely even on themselves on the very lower rung of this village, which is not a very steep hierarchy at all. There's one woman who seems to be a wealthy widow. Uh, her husband left a lot of property, and she's the one who sort of takes in the stray women and has them do work for her. But um, Basanti, you know, her husband was killed in a fishing accident the day after their marriage. So, so much for honeymoons, I guess, in this society, right? Uh, there was no opportunity for husband and wife to really have much time together. He had to go right back to work. And in a boating accident, his life was taken. And so she's in sort of perpetual widowhood and her family will not allow her to, to get a husband and she becomes kind of embittered and Basanti really becomes sort of the through line of this whole Mm -hmm. story. And, uh, she's at first portrayed as kind of this outcast woman, very stubborn, very headstrong, not the real, uh, feminine ideal for this society because she is so fierce and so independent. Um, and, and perhaps for more traditional viewers she never really would emerge as a positive role model but in contemporary sensibilities she's very impressive and very powerful and i think Gataka's is definitely elevating her as a as a symbol of the strength and resilience of this society even as it's kind of falling into ruins uh, she's she's you know the, the voice that will you know emerge and, and perhaps give some dignity to this otherwise despised um, society,
0: she's definitely the 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 strongest character. And even even there, though she she represents the society, but also a pulling away from it because exactly, she, yeah. she's she judging not, it. Mm-hmm, yeah, she is not the traditional. She, she she's yeah, you're judging it. That's a good way of putting it. And they don't they don't particularly like her ideas. Mm-hmm. She's the one in the village who decides, hey, even though we're all kind of starving, we have to take care of this woman and her son. Mm-hmm. Whereas others were like, no, I just don't have any food to spare. You know, I I can't yeah. I can't I'm not going to give um give to Rajarji and her son Ananta. And but, but Shanti does. And so she is she's both a you know, a, a strong um emblem of that society, while also representing maybe a way to to get away from it, from its worst parts or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. You know, some of its traditions and some of its views of women. This is a very woman-centric film. Mm-hmm. Um, the men are disposed of, <laughs> you know, rather yeah, quickly yeah, yeah. For, in, in many ways. And it follows <clears throat> It follows Rajarji at first. It seems like it might be her story. No. Well, not, it not is, necessarily it's a lot of it
1: for the first half obviously and half, and... half hour i would yeah, say yeah. you know well, we still well got up, another... up <laughs> until the intermission i mean she 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 dies you know after there's kind of this big climactic yeah we're, we're way into spoilers here i guess but basically you know i think people
0: uh, will appreciate that I, sure, I myself sure. am <laughs> well
1: well she you know she does have a a, a fondness for this village crazy man. And again, these Mm -hmm. are, these are very archetypal characters. You know, you've got the, you know, the destitute parents, you've got the village kind of madman. uh, You've got this mysterious uh, widow and her son that come in, even, even the town council as they meet to try to figure out what to do with this woman. You know, she doesn't really fit any of our, categories so so how do we how do we come out so you, you see these really interesting little snapshots of a village life and and how uh these matters are settled you know and all these people taking hits off their water pipes and chewing the beetle nut <laughs> <laughs> just, you have this kind of it, it, to me it's very fascinating like i say from that sort of anthropological um you know Lens to say, wow, how these people lived. Look at the the decisions and choices they had to make. Look at how they interacted with this environment. I mean, it's, it's very integrated. You know, they're pouring rain and they're just walking around. I'm sure the temperatures are pretty warm year round there. So, it just you, to me it's just a, such a fascinating uh, insight into into this into this now vanished way of life. I would even imagine you know, these areas have been, you know, quite a bit developed, maybe not, you know, shore to shore and all along, but, you know, some of these very more primitive uh, ways of life. Uh, that's just not how, how things are done in that part of the world anymore. You know, the, you know, the, the boat racing. I mean, there, there's, there's definitely some exciting footage capturing the vitality mm-hmm. and the energy of this society. But, um, you know, getting back, back to Rajarji and, and her situation, um the 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 desire to to forge this connection with this crazy man uh who Again, all the evidence should be pretty, pretty pointed. Well, you know what? He's probably the guy that you were married to. Why don't we talk this through and get it together? We're <laughs> we're not really given the opportunity to to achieve that kind of a resolution, uh, but the the you know the decision of uh, what to do with Ananta after because the crazy man. What well, what ends up, ends up happening is that Rajarji, she, she she wants to win the affection of him so. Uh, there are some really beautiful moments where you know she's presenting a rice cake to him. She's trying to break through this cloud of madness that kind of has uh, obscured his his thinking, his ability to recognize people and to interact in kind of a normal way. And and Gatak really holds the camera on her face for a very extended time and really lets her beauty shine through as she offers him a rice cake. It's 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 not really an act of seduction, but it is a flirtation that's saying, let's be together. And, and we're really put in kindness. Exactly. He's a man who's scorned and, and manhandled and, you know, forcibly shoved into the river to bathe him. You know, again, Mm -hmm. his parents who are taking care of him are kind of overwhelmed by the task, but that's their lot. That's their destiny. That's their karma. Um, But when when she kind of takes on the role of of becoming one of his caretakers, that makes her an object of scandal. You know, the old ladies are gossiping. how She's touching a man. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. proper. That's not allowed. And that then provokes the village men to beat the crazy man with sticks to the point where he he's almost dead and that's where they have their moment of discovery you know you're my wife she realizes that they see they have that spark of you're the one that i've been missing all these years but then he keels over and dies and as she's recognizing the the heartbreak um her her last moments are kind of a reprise of that wedding where it's just the sound of her breathing and, and her anguish so so her her these pivotal moments in her life are kind of um captured in this kind of silent way where it's just the sound of the breath is the soundtrack. And then she's rolling around and it's, it's, it's extremely melodramatic, you know, overacted, you could say, but, 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 but really beautiful, almost like a ballet or an opera type of a, an exaggerated death. And she winds up dying in the river and you see her laying on the banks with her hair all floating again, how she was found when she was first kidnapped and and was able to get away but she passes out and so so there's these kind of poetic couplets that that Gittac uses visually that again i think make uh the the beauty of of the cinema kind of come through the screen and and uh you know but i i didn't recognize those things the first time i watched it this is my second or third time through where all of these parallels were starting to make that impression on me and say oh wow this is this is very lovely, and, and that's where my appreciation has really grown over, you know, like I say, a further kind of immersion and commitment mm-hmm. to say, let, let me figure out how this was put together, why he told the story that way. Why did Rajarji continue to reappear later on in the film after she's dead as this kind of incarnation of the goddess yeah. uh, Bhagavati, you know, so the, the mother of us all. So, you know, it, you're, you're definitely reaching on higher themes and just let's take a look at this, uh, the life of these peasants in this fishing village.
0: This is a very uh, visually symbolic film. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about the pairings and the structure. And and you're right, it takes work on that part. This was my second time watching it as well, but it had been it's been nearly a decade since right. I last saw it. And so most of that was, you know, it was it was essentially a first-time watch. And so things like like that, you know, again, I was just like, Am I going to am I gonna like it this time? You know, what is going on <laughs> yeah. again? Um and and maybe even a sense of is it gonna be worth it um mm-hmm. to to sit and do this kind of work on it. But the thing that pulls me along and makes me want to continue to work on this film um, are the, is a lot of this stuff that's going on below the narrative, Mm -hmm. you know, below the melodrama, below all of this, or maybe above it. I don't know, but you know, different, at a different level than the narrative, it's these, these pairings, these, these, the structural things, but also the visual um, stuff that Katak does throughout this film and I remember this in the cloud-capped star as well. It's there's so much going on with the river and birth and death mm-hmm. and life giving and life taking, and the way he films things. Um, it 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 really resonates through the film, and you get this almost again um, uh, divine. Um, aspect from the river. I, that's where where um, Rajarji keeps showing up as the goddess. You know, mm-hmm. it it seems like she's coming from the river. You know, and from, from the life of there. When she is kidnapped by the pirates, it's like she's been buried in the boat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah. they put her into the boat into the bottom of it, and and they actually get planks of wood and cover her with them it's like a coffin almost and then she is she is i don't know resurrected yeah raised <laughs> up she's not dead yeah. and and but mm-hmm. raised up and thrown into basically then gets washed up onto shore again i mean there is a lot of this cyclical life and death going on um throughout it Yeah, well,
1: and and Rajarji is almost, you could consider, sort of a sacrifice, if you will. I mean, the village hmm. gave her up in marriage to this outsider so that they could have peace with their enemies downstream, you know? So, Mm -hmm. again, um, and women as property or close to it is another sort of common link between this this one and dry summer, so we'll get into that later. But, you know, the, the plight of women who really are, um almost exchanged as merchandise and once they're tainted they almost have no prospects or or if if whatever it is it'll be second or third class or or worse you know uh as far as their society is concerned it's a it's a really painful thing to think about um what what so many of the women had to go through in this society once things didn't Go according to the certain standard of happily married, giving children, and your husband lives a long, prosperous life. Boy, if anything of from that formula doesn't quite stick, uh, life becomes a lot more difficult and a lot less satisfying.
0: Um, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, David, mm-hmm. you need to do a commentary for this <laughs> for this film because well, the yeah. amount of detail that you 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 have collected and kind of worked through. Even just in those first ten minutes of the film, there is a lot going yeah. on, yeah, a lot going on, and it's it's tough for me and and I imagine there will be others like me <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just me um but tough to to kind of grapple with who's who and what are they doing, right, why are they doing um because it it can really just wash over and overwhelm the amount of of story that's going on. Um, and the yeah. elisions that the talk does not put much in the way of, um, you know, framework or uh, no. maybe a better word of scaffolding around the story right. to help you kind of, uh, wander around through it. It's, is very, um, you know, I, I saw references to Godar um, when I was mm-hmm. reading about mm-hmm. him and this film, uh, I I find Godard's films a little bit more straightforward. Maybe because I'm more used to them, though. You know what well, I mean? Well, Maybe right. because I'm and I'm ready to accept in his films. I don't necessarily have to get all of the connections. It's the disjointedness is part of it. Mm-hmm. You know the mm-hmm. the the funkiness of the edits or the narrative are part of it, and I need to roll with it. Whereas you kind of start this film, it feels like a biblical epic from the from Hollywood yeah. to an extent. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's two and a half hours long. It's it it looks more like a prestige piece, and then it's got all of these these avant garde things going on in the filmmaking yeah. and yeah. in the even in the storytelling that re- it's really disorienting if you're not you know. If you're not ready for it, like I say, it's kind of off-putting uh, because I, I would get frustrated that I was like, man, why? I give me some help <laughs> Hit here. Rewind Hit rewind here. Well, let's, let's, yeah,
1: exactly. Well, What's I going think on? The, yeah, the, the second half of the film in particular is where he really kind of goes all out. I, I think you, mm-hmm. can, you can look at the... Uh, Rajarji, Basanti, Ananta, you know, kind of thread there in the first half up until the intermission. And then, mm-hmm. the, you know, Kishore, the crazy man, That that is kind of a, a movie in itself. This is almost yeah. like maybe the movie... And its sequel or its postscript, because part two, the after, and there is a very specific intermission break. That's where you start really getting into random characters, and talk really is jumping from yeah. one little vignette to another. Uh Basanti remains sort of the constant, and we come back to her towards the end, but there are other sections where it's the older men, or it's the fishermen, it's the boat race that I mentioned earlier. It's just all kinds of little pieces. I, I think it's it, maybe it's Gatak looking to capture as much of the life of this society, and this, this is based on a book as well, it's kind of an autobiographical novel um, that perhaps had a lot more of this type of local color you might say in it and so Gatak decides that's that's what she's going to dedicate the second half of the film to but you're right it, it's it's very confusing and I was even a little disappointed like when I went to the Wikipedia article and yeah. other places where it's like okay give me an outline Tim give me give me kind of Help the bullet points of what happens here and it's like they basically say well you know they they, they summarize the Basanti says, and that's the first of many melodramatic tales.
0: It's <laughs> like, wait a minute,
1: that's, that's what I want you to tell me. What are those other tales? And who, that's fairly, who's who and all of that. Yeah, right.
0: That's fairly consistent across the board. E- yeah. Even the the essay that comes with the yep. the the book, um, it does a similar thing. You can people can summarize the first, you know, the first yeah. little plot. And um, but that, and it's not just in those two places. It was like everywhere that I looked, other reviews it is like and i i this was again maybe maybe i stopped feeling quite so bad about it yeah. myself it, it 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 is pretty common across the board with where i was able to find stuff people people summarize the first story and then use that as, a, and I did the same thing, you know, use that as yeah. a framework to say and then it goes off into who knows where, but, you know. Yeah, uh,
1: all of a sudden these guys show up and they're starting the, they're starting the huts on fire. Like, well, what's that all mm-hmm. about? Why, why are they doing this, you know? <laughs> what have yeah. these people done to deserve having their village burned down? Well, and basically it's a conflict between the farmers and the fishers because the farmers mm-hmm. want the land. Uh, in this particular story, the river is changing course. Maybe they're going, through a little bit of a drought or something i don't know but but with it's drying the, up the, with, with, where yeah.
0: they are it's drying up
1: exactly mm-hmm. so their village which was a fishing village is now far enough away from the river that they really almost have to relocate but the farmers say well this is good fertile land we can start growing crops here but the fish are like but this is our place you know and so again this is a, a that society and transition thing and some of the economic forces uh, you know, again, this is well before the foundation of Bangladesh, and if, at this point, India is still kind of one colony under British control in the 1930s. So,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: you know, this is not the part of India that Britain was really all that concerned with. You know, they they just let let them do their thing, and and but these folks are trying to figure out you know how to sort of readjust as as nature, um, which is its own character. The river called Tidish is. Kind of the the, the lead of, of the uh, of the of the whole telling of the story in a sense. Uh, so the, again, you're getting into some some cultural sort of micro political types of issues here, which probably don't have a lot of resonance to us because this is all old settled business from you know nearly a hundred years ago in the part of the world that doesn't really register much in the big grand geopolitical historical sweep of things. These are people really on the margins. Uh, but Gatak is in a sense saying, but they're people. Let's let's mm-hmm. give them our attention. Let's give them our respect and recognize the the struggles of their lives, even though they may not, you know, register as all that important. Uh, um, according to the criteria that we usually set to say who really counts or what are the essential stories that need to be told and understood to make sense of our times.
0: It's interesting too, because like you said, this takes place in the 1930s, but the themes are very much about dislocation, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. displacement, um, isolation and, and forced, uh, you know, I won't say necessarily migration, but to an extent that dislocation and forced, you know, um, finding another place to to live because your place is taken out from under you. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a place where you've lived for, you know, y- you would never have, you would have thought that it's been going on for, you know, millennia and that it would go on for millennia more, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I do like Adrian Martin's uh, essay that came with it because he yeah. talks about this. He's talking about um, the historic trauma that, was going on basically through all of Gatok's life and how, you know, partition. The word itself has come to symbolize Gatok's cinema. Um, has there ever been a filmmaker so intensely, single-mindedly focused on every conceivable variation of rupture, abandonment, fragmentation? And not only on the level of o- overarching socio-historical context or immediate plot, Gatak also enacted the tearing sensation of schism formally in his highly composed frames, in his radical use of music and sound, and above all in his rigorous ultra modern editing style. Hmm. How often does a scene of high drama seem to end too soon in Gatak's work? Well, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the picture, music and gesture suddenly terminated, rudely snatched away from our contemplation. It, Hmm. That's when I when I read something like that, I'm like, man, my my approach to this film has been way off. I may not ne- again. I may never love the film for its the the same way that I love another film that can carry me away. Right. But when you start to to get into that that into those kinds of that analysis, I find that fascinating because mm-hmm. it does it does mimic to an extent, you know. And this is very you know. You know, this is me very, you know, feeling pretty, pretty secure in my life going, oh, now I can kind of feel what you're going through because (laughs) the story's doing it to me. You know, no, it's not the same thing. But I love how he's emphasizing and underlining his themes with all of this. And um, it's it's pretty impressive. Again, I I I don't know. Well, I'll have to watch it again fairly soon, I hope, in order to to have some of the connections still in mind. Um, but maybe be able to focus a little bit more on um, what Gitak is doing because it, it is, it is impressive. You know, once you get away from, Oh, this is just a typical uh, two and a half hour melodrama, <laughs> you know, yeah. talking about some little village and life in the village to no, this is pretty radical um, filmmaking. Um, I think there's a lot to this film and a lot that I still need to, to glean from it.
1: Yeah. Well, this, watching this and I did watch the cloud Capped star when it was first released but it was kind of in one of those uh you know jam sessions where I'm just trying mm-hmm. to catch up on as many criteria recent releases as I could so I just really kind of gave it the once through didn't get into any of the supplements there but I remember a, a positive impression a, a good takeaway like yeah this is and especially seeing um you know Art, art house style Indian cinema that wasn't Satyajit Ray. You know, I mean, I've seen yeah. Bollywood films too, which is a whole different side of, of cinema from this part of the world. Uh, but yeah, definitely very, very illuminating to see somebody because Satyajit Ray really is that kind of filmmaker who is very clearly trying to captivate uh, Western audiences as well as his own you know culture as well. But but he he really is making films that satisfy what viewers used to Hollywood or Euro style films are, are used to seeing. Gitak doesn't quite, you know, structure or spoon feed it to you the same way. You you do have to work at it, but I think it's the, the effort is, is rewarded. Um, and I say a lot of the things that I've said that might, you know, sound insightful, I didn't, I didn't have those to say the first time through, you know, (laughs) I I really did have to think about this and and I would lay in bed at night. Okay. What am I going to say about this? And, and how am I going to, you know, kind of digest my thoughts? And as I kind of meditated on the film, pondered it, I think that's where, um, I was starting to make connections that didn't come through to me at first viewing, you know, I'm just like Mm -hmm. sort of soaking it in and trying to figure out who these people are, what's going on. Uh, so it is a film that you maybe have to live with a little bit in order to, to extract the value and, and insight that that he has to offer, and and whether he you know intentionally made his film like you you're not going to get it the first time through. I don't know. Maybe for somebody who's more immersed in that culture and that society, uh, those themes come through more more readily. But I had to you know I I had to
0: work at it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and I get the impression from things I've read about him. And about his kind of urgency, you know, he was not doing well uh, when he when he made this film. He died just a few years after it came out. He's only fifty um, years old, right? And, and apparently, old. like
1: a long-term alcoholic
0: with all kinds of, yeah.
1: you know, it, I get the he, sense he needed he wouldn't treatment. Care. All of that, mm-hmm. yeah, like,
0: yeah. Oh, you didn't get it? So, sorry. Right. <laughs> no,
1: this is this is his statement, and this is uh-huh. he's doing it on his terms. And I mean, again putting this film together and, and this had to be uh, a challenging shoot you know you were mm. out I mean th- this is all on location I don't I didn't see anything that gave evidence of like studio yeah. shots you and know? it's beautiful it, it really is I mean again it's it's black and white um but just the imagery the, the those compositions and just the detail of this village life um is, is really remarkable and and i really am so thankful that we have this record and uh this this does make me curious to see more of those films that were mentioned in the essay right mm-hmm. now those are the only two the cloud cap star in this one that criterion has access to i don't know that they've even done a bundle of his stuff on the criterion channel uh spank me if i'm of. wrong on that yeah but mm-hmm. i that would be nice i i'd really welcome that if, if they did put something together at this point maybe if, if they did and i missed it i'm sorry about that but uh, yeah. yeah i'll definitely be uh, on the lookout for more of this stuff
0: all right well maybe we should move on to yeah. dry summer 1964 <laughs> film by metin Erkson from turkey and again, it just the connections here—the importance of the water, you know—the the 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 redirection of the water, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the, the vitality that the water can bring to the land and to the people reliant upon it, and the devastation of, the
1: that comes when it goes away, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And the melodrama. Let's, oh, yeah. let's oh, get yeah. into it. <laughs> this, yes, this this particular film much more easy to you know for me, someone like me, to get into and, and follow along. It's a much simpler story. Um, still kind of got some of those primal, um, you know, uh, oh, I can't think of the word, um, just elements, archetypal yeah. characters and, and elements going on in it. Uh, but it's a, it's a much more straightforward story, fairly, fairly uh, small cast of characters. Um, you've got two brothers, Osman and Hassan. Osman is the older brother, and as as they're working at the beginning, Osman um, is is bringing some planks into the into the you know up to his land. What's he got those for? Well, he's going to try and dam up the stream that he gets from a spring that is on his land. He's tired of all the other people getting his water, you know, all the other residents, and it's going to be a dry summer anyway, as the the you know, as the title suggests. And so this is this is like fatal for the other um, people, but he kind of looks at it and says, you know what, it's my water. Um, if I give it to everybody, there really isn't enough for me to thrive. Mm-hmm. Maybe survive, but I can't thrive. Um, well, he but, wants but, to have but, the best. He's almost like mm-hmm. trying to
1: corner the market on crops because yeah. if everybody else dries up, then he can charge whatever he wants. I mean, it's it's very much a a story of greed and, and uh, exploitation. Right.
0: And, and he is one massive slime ball. (laughs) I
1: mean, this it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. I watched it with Julie last night and she (laughs) was just getting irate. She just couldn't believe how low this guy would go, you know? Yeah,
0: Yeah. And he's got a little brother, Hassan, not little. I mean, they're both grown men, you know, Hassan, Hassan looks 40, but, he, you know, you kind of get the sense that the story wants him to be in his 20s. Um, and, and he, you know, he's it, it's just the, the way that the story is told. But Hassan doesn't agree with his brother, but has to, you know, kind of feels... And, and he tells him so, but he feels an obligation. You are the older brother, I do what you say. But Hassan is also a little bit, you know, focused. He, he's in love with a woman named Bahar. And at the beginning, you know, she's coming around, you know, kind of flirting with him from the periphery.
1: <laughs> Flashing Osman, her mirror at him. Yeah. yeah. Right, right.
0: And Osman says, you know what? You need to go and, and marry her. And the brother here says, well, um, I can marry her after the harvest, I've been told. You know, her mom, that's, that's the rule. And, you know, here's Osman again. No. You need to marry her now. You go take her. She's yours. You deserve her. Go and get this taken care of. That's kind of the the start of the story. I mm-hmm. mean, this one mm-hmm. does go into a lot more um, places that that I have not gotten into. I mean, that's that's just yeah. the first five minutes. Again, very efficient storytelling to establish um, these characters and their relationships as we go on. Of course, the other men in the village. Um, you know, when 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 Osman really does dam the river, they, they start to come around and play a role, but most of them are nameless other than one, um, that, that says his name at one point and then becomes important later on. Um, but yeah, I, you know, again, very easy to, you know, the, the, the cards are set on the table. You can, you can get this one from, from the very start and, and kind of see, Oh, I'm I'm not supposed to like Osman clearly. Yeah, right. <laughs> supposed to like Hassan. Mm-hmm. Supposed to sympathize with B- Bahar a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But she's she is desperately in love with Hassan too. There's not. They have a you know at the beginning they have a passionate, um, romantic uh, relationship that seems also based on um, Hassan being a decent person who's you know does love her. Uh, it's yeah. not purely exploitative um, from his point of view, but. But dang, you know, this is, again, a movie about the, the greed and, and its corruption and the, the sense of absolute entitlement to the death of other people, not just yeah. to the detriment of other people. Um yeah, I'll, I'll shut up for a second and let well, you kind of jump in.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I again, I think you summed it up really well. I mean, this is, a, again, based, you know, b- presenting these archetypal characters. I mean, Bahar is a very beautiful young woman. She almost has this goddess-like appearance when mm-hmm. she first shows up, you know. Uh, and, and so there is this kind of... Um, you know, satisfying, uh, intriguing little romance thing that's being pursued here, but it's also very tragic, as as you recognize that their the beauty of their young love and their relationship, and perhaps the family that they would like to you know bring into this world and, and raise up, and all of that, is is really being thwarted. And again, this kind of goes back to the earlier point I was making about how. Uh, there's a lot of suffering that takes place in this story because of adherence to the traditional ways, the the uh, you know the the patriarchy, if you want to you call it that, which is the older brother calls the shots. The younger brother mm-hmm. has to follow those directions, even if he has strong disagreements. Uh, Bahar, uh, this the, again, this very uh, engaging young woman is kind of um, told what she has to do, and and so when when they you know, when uh, Osman tells Hassan, you just go ahead and take her, even though the mother needs her around the household. Uh, Bihar is kind of persuaded, yeah you know, and why not I, I will be with the man that I love. we will be chased until we're married. everything will be proper but um i'm I'm eager to go as well, and when the mother shows up, you know she's throwing stones at the door, which you know mm-hmm. I think is almost as much of a, a of a shaming gesture i mean she's not really literally trying to tear the house down or bust yeah. out the door, but or hurt them the, right the, right
0: Osman is actually up above the door right. talking to and she's not trying to hit him with the stone
1: right she's she's she voicing her, her exactly <laughs> she could have saved a lot of other misery in the process if she'd have taken him out early on but it's it's basically you know osman is way out of line he is sort of breaking the, the the covenant, if you will, as far as how village life should go. This spring is seen as, you know, the water is the blood of the earth. This, you know, God put the spring up on the property to water the lower areas, uh, you know, that that we all live off of, that we all, you know, eke out our living. Uh, Osman is trying to, you know, really capitalize on, on his advantage. Um, and he does not have that sense of connection to the community Uh, they can suffer and die for all he cares and he's only interested in kind of securing his own advantage uh, which I think you could say there's a political statement being made by the director here Uh, perhaps uh, this kind of capitalizing of natural resources was happening elsewhere in Turkish society um and and the director is saying you know what folks that's not right yeah he may have the property deed yes the water may be on his land maybe he even has a first claim but to to completely you know dry up the the stream and and intentionally inflict suffering on your neighbors is just not right it's not defensible at all um, uh, mm-hmm. but Bahar, you know, she, she's put in this terrible situation as well, because now she's got to live in this household with this domineering. And as we find out this really creepy older brother who even on their wedding night is barging in, uh, you know, he seems like he's kind of drunk. I don't know. You huh. know, I, these are Muslim people. So I I can't imagine that, you know, there was lots of alcohol drinking, but again, you know, Islam has its own share of observant and non-observant folks. Uh, and, and, but you know, his, his leering in his, his peeping in through the little cracks in the boards, uh, as the couple, as they're making love, um, you know, just every, almost any angle that you could find to despise a guy, he's going to portray that one way or another, mm-hmm. including the act of killing. And and when uh, some of the some of those neighboring farmers try to sabotage the dam by putting a small explosive and making it so that he can't just patch it all up again, it, it turns into a, a a gun a gun chase. Um, you know, shots are exchanged and one of the locals dies. And and mm-hmm. you know, so that that sets us up. Hassan so, is chasing yeah. them yeah. too. Yeah, right.
0: But, but specifically shooting in the air to scare him off. Right. Whereas Osman is shooting at them to kill and Hassan keeps saying don't you know you got yeah. to don't, don't do that. Don't you're not yeah. trying to kill anybody here. But he but, did. But
1: one dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and then because um Hassan is the younger and he's married Osman manipulates both him and Bahar into taking the rap uh, and that that uh, Hassan will say he fired the fatal shot so that you know he supposedly gets out of jail in a year or two and can resume his life. Well, that's not exactly how it and goes. I'll, and I'll yeah, support you yeah. there. I'll
0: send you money. You know, Yeah, oh yeah. I'll, I'll make sure that the land here is great for when you come back. <laughs> yeah, oh, and then man. he
1: goes on to renege on every promise that is made, and you know, the suffering just continues to intensify for everybody, including Bihar, this, this you know, young woman who's being deprived of some of the happiest years of her married life and then he goes on uh, osman goes on to try to seduce bahar so i mean it's, you know we could we could just kind of outline <laughs> the plot but it's it's all very apparent there it's all you know quite clear on the surface of what's going on so uh, i'm not sure that analyzing all of those plot developments adds much to the value anybody can pick up from there but what I appreciated was just the the, the style of the filmmaking and the mm-hmm. and the ability to you know engage with us in a very kind of viewer-friendly way
0: yeah this is the style of this film is is quite something it did you see uh, maybe is it in the essay by Bilka Ibiri where the film was kind of Cut up and released as a soft core flick in in English yeah. speaking worlds because yeah. they they took like a look alike and you know, kind of made some some new scenes. Uh, um well, the, the uh, yeah the stage was uh, set
1: for more of that and there is there is some sensuality. There's the the kissing it is. It, it's embraces. a very sensual film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a 19th... it, it reminded me
0: of bitter rice in a way where oh, it's like, yeah, oh there's yeah. all this story going on, but man, some this filmmaker's really kind of also ramping up the heat a little bit. Yeah it's no right. and it's not it, it to to be you know to be clear it's it's it is not um much more than just you know suggestive, and and it's it's almost like more passionate glances, yeah. accompanied by a, a nice little you know caress or something like that. So it's not it's not there, but but it it's it lays the foundation and and plays out that plot of of heat and yeah. and of this again some vitality, uh, this dry summer, the the discomfort, but the the welling up of of emotions. I think it underscores a lot of the rest of what's going on in the film: the anger, the the boiling over of passion—not always, you know, this kind of kind of passion that we're talking about here, but but anger and and Mm -hmm. um, and hatred uh, that that just continues to build and build and build. It's it's an emotional film.
1: Very much so, yeah, and and you you get that, and the the passion and the anger and the resentment that builds up from the villagers, from mm-hmm. Bahar as as, um,
0: eventually, finally from Hassan,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, Hassan, I mean, he he comes back with a fury, you know, once his jail sentence has been kind of. You know, cut short uh, through a general pardon and, and all of that. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of the politics there. But but you know, all of this resentment is building towards Osman. But Osman himself seems to have some kind of seething rage or anger underneath it all, and it's never really explained what is it that drives him. Why is he behaving in a way that creates so much hardship for people um, that he should feel some kind of connection to? I mean, you know. It, you would presume that he's spent his life growing up alongside these people, but something has broken him off from the the common good. And uh, even his own brother he exploits uh, for the sake of perhaps having a chance to get with his, you know, very desirable young wife. I mean, it's just what kind of greed and and Mm -hmm. self-absorption drives the guy to that level of villainy? well i mean he is literally a mustache twirling (laughs) bad guy you know um you know it's it's never really there's not really much character analysis i mean he's just a bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy but you know you it does cause one to wonder what was his experience that that would force him to break away from what seemed to be pretty well established customs or traditions is this is he somebody who's kind of taken the wrong message from modernity? Is he seen as a as kind of a an infiltrating influence from some kind of more exploitive, you know, uh capitalistic philosophy that's just like it's all about the mm-hmm. property, it's all about the money, it's all about the advantage. I mean, when when the villagers finally decide, you know what, we're just gonna, we're gonna we don't like it, but we're gonna have to pay him for access to the water, now he's all of a sudden ready to talk business. Now we're friends. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're on good terms here, and uh, to me, I I do think that's is where uh, the the director is is trying to you know perhaps make a statement uh, of a political nature to his viewers, and even even the introduction of those sensual elements is a way of engaging with them to say you know let's be frank here let's be adults you know the 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 sexual consummation of this marriage the satisfaction that comes from that part of the relationship we can to a certain extent put that on screen and i think he did run into a little bit of censorship uh controversy as well because he took things a little bit further than might have been seen as typical uh, especially in this in this kind of more traditional and conservative culture so I I feel Mm -hmm. like he is trying to push the envelope a little bit here uh, as you know by making an entertaining and engaging film that kind of gives us a a bad guy to boo and a hero to rally behind and a a pretty young lady to to look at Uh, you know all of those kind of crowd-pleasing elements are there but there is a a message or a larger purpose beyond just mere entertainment that that he's pursuing.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? That, um, you know, you watch a film like this with such a black and white villain who is absolutely horrible. And mm-hmm. then you learn the government wanted to suppress it. And you're like, how, what kind of person looks at this film and says, "Hey, you're criticizing me"? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, too yeah, familiar. Yeah. But yes, you're right. It's not just that. It was other elements that they were a little bit uncomfortable with, um, maybe going too far. Um, and then, then when it won the Golden Bear at Berlin, apparently it was like, "Oh, well, this is now prestigious. Well, let's bring it back." So it wasn't entirely. They were like, "Hey, you're clearly." you know, insulting the president, you know, <laughs> yeah, who looks yeah. just like Osman and has done yeah. all the things Osman has done. Um, it, yeah, it, That's I, the it,
1: thing. Yeah. People who pursue power are uh, in societies tend to be the Osman types, you know, yes. what, what can I do to kind of get the upper hand and make people have to pay me, you know?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and Osman does something very interesting. He appeals to tradition and societal values when it suits him. Right. And he flouts and um, repudiates them when it does not. I mean, he sees himself as above it all, but he can give himself some, you know, uh, degree of credibility by also appealing to those virtues and Mm -hmm. and to those things that, that, like I say, that suit him. This is exceptionally familiar to me. You know, this is not... Osman is a black and white villain. At the same time, he is familiar. Um, the, the, a lot of the, the humanity has been stripped away from him, but, you know, we do that with our public figures too, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the way he acts, I mean, and it's very, this to me could be an American story. I mean, it's an, I drink your milkshake kind of society here. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Yeah. And he, he uses those traditional values to his own advantage, but also is a very hypocritical, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that he's, he's peeping in on his younger brother and, and his wife and their intimate moments certainly is not in accordance with traditional family values, right. but, but he still, he's got the upper hand of being a big brother. And so he exploits that part of the traditional values, uh, right. You know, without, and without his own hesitation,
0: to, right. Mm-hmm. To, to jail. Yes. Yeah. is an exceptionally selfish weak. I mean, what a coward. Yeah. Um, yeah. to, to not be able to do that, but, but he, he appeals to, well, you're, the, you know, I I will die in there, you know, I mm-hmm. and, and I also am the head of this land. I need to make sure that everything's going well here. You you will, you are young, you will be able to, you know, you're not going to lose that much time, blah, right. blah, 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 they'll blah. Take, I will support they'll take you. They'll pity on you, right, right. Mm-hmm. And it's so cowardly, though he's, you know, and, and no, I did never think, oh, he's got a good point, but he, he's trying to press it as this is the right moral thing for you to do because I now have to uphold my part in society. Mm -hmm. You know, this terrible accident can't be allowed to derail that. But it's so so cowardly. Uh, But yeah, you know, and the whole issue with the water. I mean, in the United States, we have both of these arguments. You know, part of the argument here is who owns this water? Is it his because the spring is on his land? Therefore, he can control it as he wishes. Or is it communal? Um, and has to still go out. And it kind of goes back and forth, the legal interpretations. You actually see him going to the, to the attorneys um, to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, and the law the goes states. back and forth, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, right. it's been that way in the U.S. Most eastern states um, do not look at springs as personal property. It's mm-hmm. communal. Here in the West, it's, it's yours. You, you find it. You get it. You get to exploit it. Um, And there are different philosophies behind why that was, you know, um, especially for settlement purposes, you know, um, and to encourage movement, to encourage people to come West and do things. But you you run into the issue where you're also encouraging people to to be greedy and to look at anybody who needs help as a potential threat and as... um, you know, just trying to take what's yours, what God gave you, Mm -hmm. and you've been the one working for it. And, And so you create some of these, um, kind of horrific, um, selfish, greedy things in, in ways that I don't think are natural to, you know, people don't always feel that way. Um, but it becomes the, the, um, accepted cultural way it becomes the moral the moral way you know those who want water are actually the immoral ones yeah um it's an this this was a very interesting film just to look at and say okay this is this is a again kind of an allegory it's turkey and you know 50 years ago oh but boy this is this is primal you know this is all of us this is all of us at all times probably trying to deal yeah. with these issues
1: <laughs> yeah and uh, even the idea that the the poverty of these people that is the will of Allah you know like wow are we really going to go there uh but but we have uh, in our society and in many other societies become very complacent about um the, the number of people or the, the prevalence of people who live in poverty you know that that that's just their lot that's just their destiny and how how quickly uh, conventional morality can just kind of draw that conclusion mm-hmm. because it's so common and we see it happen all the time. Um, you know, a film like this is is pretty elemental and at, at the very least is a cause to maybe question some of those traditional ways because, again, uh, look at how Hassan suffered from um, following his brother's decrees even though that's the good thing for the younger brother to do. Uh, he's the authority, and that's what we have to—that's what we have to abide by. I mean, that gets into questions about laws, traditions, morality, religion, I mean, all of those old mm-hmm. values that have been passed on as the way things ought to be, the, the good way of of living. Um, yeah, obviously, innovation for its own sake can create all kinds of consequences, both intended and unintended. Um, but we should not necessarily be so beholden to the old ways when they are in the hands of corrupt and, and, Uh, greedy people and and so that that is the challenge Uh, again Mm -hmm. as as a film I I also think that it's just it is it's a very fascinating slice of life from a culture that is Mm -hmm. in many ways you know very different from ours but has those connection points that make it a pretty relatable story so you're you're seeing a a traditional morality tale told in a part of the world that you don't always get a chance to experience or visit or know much about so uh, and and it seems like um Erkson, what's his name again? The, the director he he does some Metin really Metin Erkson. Erkson, yeah he he has some very nice uh, elements. I mean he 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 seems to know how to make a good visually um, evocative film. Again, the, the framing, the the editing, all of those pieces feel like yeah this is this is top notch work here, and I can see why it won uh, an award at a very prestigious nineteen sixties film festival up in Berlin. Um, it makes me wonder what else was happening in Turkish cinema. I think the essay kind of gets into that as well. Like, you know, was there more work for this guy? Did, did Turkish cinema make a bigger footprint than it seems to have made in the years since, I think? Um, you know, we we don't have a, titles that come to mind, um, but that's why I'm watching these sets is to learn more about.
0: Yeah, it you know, seems culture. like it was a... A brief period, you know, we talked about the Czech New Wave, for example, a a bit of a thawing of um, what could be done, you know, Mm that the rigorous uh, censorship standards um, for a brief period. And then all of a sudden, oh, we cannot continue with this. Right. (laughs) That was my impression that that's that's Turkish cinema in the early 1960s was was pretty, you know, again, just a brief window where a film like this could be made. And then and then that window is closed again.
1: Yeah, that Turkey's outreach to, or at least cultural engagement with with European style filmmaking and and world cinema, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was just kind of this this little brief, yeah. You know, opportunity. Well, there's another one that's called up um, coming up. I think it's in, in part two. Yeah. So law of the board. I mean, I did I do recall. and I actually wrote a blog post about that one back when I was doing my Criterion Reflections blog as a as a uh, as a. Written essays rather than the podcast it is now. So, Law of the Border was from a couple years later, and we'll visit that whenever we get to around to mm-hmm. Volume Two of this series. um So, yeah, it looks like it was kind of in that mid '60s, like you say, with the Czech New Wave. That's probably a pretty good comparison where um, art house cinema was sort of seen as a way for uh you know many countries to sort of get engaged with. Modernity and, and contemporary culture it reminds me of is it when Bunuel won an award and the Spanish government wanted to kind of exploit Bunuel's fame for their mm-hmm. own advantage, even though his goals and theirs were completely